Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, Section 7, Chapter 80, A Prediction. In the year 1562, when Philip was age 47, a young man of good family called Jovan Tommaso used to attend the discourses every day. But more to make fun of the Institute than with any intention of saving his soul. When those near him noticed this, they told the Holy Father and complained a lot about his irreverence. Philip replied, let him behave as he pleases. Put up with him, I beg you, with a tranquil mind. But since he continued to be a nuisance, those who attended the discourses again complained about him to Philip and heard the same answer as before. And eventually, God worked the miracle. A short time afterwards, though no one expected it, he was so struck by the procedure and the way the fathers behaved that he came to the point of reaping the benefit of the discourses being preached and found understanding of the things of heaven with contempt for the world. He abandoned his business, renounced his riches and honors, and determined to follow the counsels of Christ. He joined the order of St. Dominic, and on February 10th, took the sacred habit at the friary of Santa Maria Sopra Minerva to the astonishment of those who saw such a sudden change in him. He died after a few months of his novitiate, fervent with devotion and full of confidence. Another youth from Philip's group, Paolo, also joined the same community on the same day and month. He made great spiritual progress in a little time and died also full of faith and hope. When he became a friar, he changed his name and chose to be called Giovanni. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What does it mean that he was determined to follow the counsels of Christ. Well, counsels here doesn't just mean some general advice that our Lord gives. Like you might follow the counsel of your lawyer or the counsel of your doctor or the counsel of your priest. The counsels of Christ is a technical term for the counsels of chastity, obedience, and poverty. When our Lord said that it's 
wrong to divorce your wife and marry another, and that what God has joined, no one should separate. And when he restored the original plan of God for marriage, Peter said to him, well, Lord, if you can't divorce your wife, is it better not to get married? And our Lord said, to those who can accept it, let them accept it. In other words, the advice that our Lord gives, that's echoed later by St. Paul, he says, I, I, I say to those who have this gift, let them accept it. In other words, it's a counsel that our Lord gives. It's advice in order to seek the perfection of divine love. Lord said a similar thing to the rich young man. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell all you have and come follow me. He didn't command it. He didn't make it absolutely necessary for the rich young man. He doesn't make it absolutely necessary for any Christian to sell everything. But he gives it as a counsel if you want to be perfect. Well, how do the councils do this? If you, if you own nothing, if you pledge your life, to complete chastity, why would our Lord say that help should be perfect? If you promise obedience, if you follow the Lord through the command of someone else, why does that help you to reach Christian perfection, the perfection of love? Well, theologians tell us that these counsels, chastity, obedience, poverty, they remove the main obstacles to the perfection of divine love. In other words, what gives us great difficulty? Well, external things. And so the best way to cut out any obstacle of external things is to have a vow of poverty, that you own nothing. What else is a great obstacle to perfection? Growing in love. Well, sexual pleasure. It's very difficult to get it right. Very difficult to get it under control. Very absorbing of the mind. And so our Lord says, here, here's a good counsel for you. Why don't you just give it up all together and devote yourself not to the things of, you, of your wife or the things of your husband. Why don't you devote yourself totally to me? I'm giving you, I'm removing obstacles and making it easier for you to seek perfection. And someone says, well, I can't accept it. Well, then you don't. But if the Lord invites you to, if he gives you the grace to do it, and that's your path, a safer path even. Or what's the other great obstacle? Self-will. Doing everything according to our own desires, our own plans. And so what's the, what's the way to overcome that most definitely? Well, to take a promise, a vow of obedience. That for the rest of your life, you're willing to submit your will to someone else's will. You're willing to not do what you think, but what someone else thinks, your superiors, as a way of undermining this self-will. It's very similar to the three temptations that our Lord experienced, in the sense that the devil first showed him the food, turned the stone into bread. In other words, the desire for bodily pleasure. Then he took and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, that all this can be yours. In other words, external goods are a great obstacle. And so to cut those out, you take poverty. And he says, throw yourself off this building. 
Let the angels catch you. Maybe people will, see, will be wowed by you. You'll appear to be so unique, so great. Your kind of self-love, your self-importance, your self-will will be shown forth to people that you can do what you want. Throw yourself at the building and God will catch you. And so to undermine that which was in us, our Lord overcame them all. Of course, he had no internal temptations. But what I'm saying is those three temptations the devil used are the three main temptations that all human beings face. And the three counsels that the Dominicans take, the Benedictines take, religious Carmelites take, to follow the path of the counsels, either with vows or voluntarily, it's to undermine those three temptations. In our baptisms, we all have promised to reject Satan and all his works and all his empty promises. We all have promised at the end of the day that we will follow the Lord more than anything else. All of us, when we die, will have to give up riches. All of us one day will have to give up sexual pleasure. All of us one day have to follow the will of another. And what the religious do, what these young Dominicans did tonight in the reading, is they made that decision before it was forced on them. They voluntarily gave up everything. They voluntarily set themselves to chastity. They voluntarily decide to follow the will of another. And how blessed they were, because they only had a few months to live. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.